Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period. Good morning again. I am not Ryan, obviously. Um, Ryan, I think some of you might have heard, has pneumonia. So uh, please be praying for him. He sounds good. I talked to him on Friday. Uh, when I still had a voice, and I was like, I'll teach for you, it's fine. Uh, you stay home and rest. And then I lost my voice Friday night, so um, it's somewhat there. So I'm going to squeak out a message for him so that he can stay home and rest. Uh, but if you're new here, uh, that's I'm Jenny, I'm one of the worship leaders, and Ryan is off sick. So um, the first thing we're going to do is take up an offering, and then we'll do some announcements, and then we'll get started. So if this is your home church, Uh, They're going to pass a basket in front of you, and you are more than welcome to dump all kinds of money in there. Um, And so we'll pray over that, and then we'll get started. Father, we love you, and we just give you our tithes and our offerings today, God, and we just ask that you would multiply them and do what you want with them for the good of your kingdom. And God, I just thank you for all these cheerful givers who realize that you have given us so much, and everything that we have is from you. And so we just give back a small portion of what you've given us so generously, and we just ask you to bless it, God. We love you. Amen. Okay, so a couple of announcements. I probably, probably many of you have the Church Center app. If you don't have our app yet, it is called Church Center. It is wonderful. You can get the program on there. You can get all kinds of events on there. You can register for events. You can even give on our Church Center app. So if you don't have that, uh, definitely download it. If you need help with that, I think we still have cheat sheets in the lobby, but otherwise um, I can help you with that too. Um, But it's just a great way to stay connected. Uh, We do have two events this coming weekend. So Saturday morning, there's actually a men's breakfast, uh, so only for the guys. Uh, It starts at 10. It's going to be downstairs in the underground. It's just going to be a really great time to come and eat some good food, hang out with some other guys. They do a short kind of devotional, but then it's, it's mainly hang time. So it's just a great way to meet some of the other guys here, build some community, meet some people. So come for that. Um, And then Trunk or Treat is actually Saturday night. Starts at 7. And you can come as early as 6 to set up. If if you're setting up your car to hand out candy and you want to decorate it or whatever, um, you can get here at 6. So that'll be fun. And lastly, if anybody wants to become a volunteer, because we need lots of volunteers, um, a shameless plug for my team, um, we need video techs and sound techs. um, And it's, it's not hard. We'll train you. So... Uh, That's a shameless plug for my team. You can just go ahead and fill out the Connect card. There's a little box that you can check if you want to volunteer, and then you can pick where. Um, And then I'll get in contact with you and get you plugged in. So we would love, love, love for you to volunteer and help, and it's a great way to meet other people. Um, So yes, those are all the announcements. They're in your program. They're on the app. Um, So if I left anything out, you can catch them there. Okay. So, like I said, Ryan's not here, so I'm, I'm your message giver today, and I want to start right off the bat today with a scripture. Uh, it's a story from the Gospels, and you probably have heard it, uh, but we're just going to start off with that and then go from there. So, if you have your own Bibles, you can turn to Mark 2, verse 13, or it'll be on the screen. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me. Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have come to call the righteous. 
Not that I had not come to call the righteous, but sinners. The Passion Translation of the Bible, which I personally love, puts it this way. But when the religious scholars and the Pharisees found out that Jesus was keeping company and dining with sinners and tax collectors, they were indignant. I love this word. It means that they were angered or annoyed at a perceived unfair treatment. So they approached Jesus' disciples and said to them, Why is it that someone like Jesus defiles himself by eating with sinners and tax collectors? A little bit of a more passionate kind of strong language there. Why does he defile himself by eating with these types of people? I'd like to propose to you that this is kingdom business. Jesus came to eat with those people because that's what he wanted to do. That's what he did, and that's what he continues to do. He came to restore people. He didn't come just for the ones that had it all together. He came to restore people. And he wants us whole so that we can go out and do the same thing. He wants us whole and healed so that we can go out and do that for other people. That's what we're commissioned to do. I want to talk about that today, and I want to talk about how we all have that same calling. It might look different based on your giftings, but we all have that calling to spread the gospel and to help other people experience the fullness of what God has. So our title today is Commissioned, because we have all have this great commission. These past couple weeks, uh, Ryan has been talking about the 12 steps, um, and we've had some incredible testimonies from people who are either walking through those steps or have walked through those steps. Um, last week, I believe it was, uh, we had several people share I was at home watching online because Ben was here running sound, and I was just blown away. And actually, the camera was messed up for a little bit, so you couldn't even see who was talking. You could just hear these stories. And the thing that, um, that blew me away the most was the confidence in Christ that these people had. They, you could just feel the trust that they had in God, that he was going to get them through, or he had got them through, and they were now walking in relationship with him. And it's not like they were... You know, they did the steps and then they stopped. It's like, no, this is a continual thing that they walk out, they live out daily with God. And it was just, you could feel that um, even through a computer screen. Um, and so I, I realize that some of you might be like, why are we talking about the 12 steps from the front of church? This doesn't apply to me. I don't understand why we're, we're talking about this. And so um, I wasn't really supposed to talk. I wasn't on the schedule to talk today. Ryan was, you know, scheduled, but then life happens, and here we are, and I was talking to Ryan on Friday, and, you know, I was offering to give him the weekend off, and, and, I, and I said, well, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll pray, and I'll see what I, I ca I'll come up with for a talk, and he's like, and we, we had like a, I don't know, 40-minute conversation, which was pretty long for me. I don't like talking on the phone, um, and so we were just having a really nice conversation. He goes, I think we should just, you should just talk about the things that we just talked about, um, and so we were talking through a lot of this stuff. And so I just want to give you my perspective of what the Lord has been showing me with this 12-step series. Um, and hopefully it encourages you too. So I want to start with something that's a, a, a little scary. Um, but I am a judgy person. <laughs> I, um, I have a strong justice meter. And so for me, things are right or wrong. And it's hard for me to see gray. I've gotten way better over the years, but I, I kind of fall in the camp of, oh, nope, that's, that's not wrong, or that's not right, and that's wrong, and, um, and so, and then if I, don't, if I don't hone that in, then judgments start coming out, right? Oh, well, they're just a horrible person. They're doing this, and they're doing that, and oh my gosh, they're stupid. That's the dumbest idea I've ever heard of, and so all these, like, mean, ugly things start coming out, right? And so there is such a thing as righteous anger, right? God wants you to be not maybe once, but you can be upset and you can fight for things that God wants you to fight for. 
Um, but there's a difference between righteous anger and then just being angry and judgy all the time, right? And so it can be a gift, but it can be a flaw, and it's all in how you steward it. And so I'm admitting this to you because I will also admit that there have been times um, that I've been a part of this church. I've been a part of this church. I was here when it was planted, like way when we started. Then I moved away, um, and then we moved back to Cincinnati, so we came back. So I've been a part of it for a long time, but not always physically here. Um, <clears throat> but there have been times in my life when I would look around and be like, man, there's so many recovery people here. And wouldn't it just be easier or safer if they weren't here? And that is a horrible thing to think. And I fully admit that now. I fully realize that now. I didn't always realize it in the moment when I was having those thoughts, but I, I admit those I, I know now that those are not loving thoughts. They're not thoughts from God, and they're divisive. It creates two categories of people, right? And that's not what God says that we are. We're all his sons and daughters. We're all called to rule and reign. There is no class. There is no his sin is greater than my sin. Um, sin is sin, and we all have sin. Um, and I, t I totally believe that we're no longer sinners but saints. If you believe in Jesus, you are called to be a saint, and it's, you know, you, you get this, this new level, this new... Um, embodiment of, of Jesus, and so it's harder to sin, like you catch yourself more. Um, so I do believe that we're saints, and, um, but that doesn't mean that those thoughts don't ever try and creep in. Did you know that every thought that you have is not yours? That sometimes thoughts come in and they're not yours. They're from Satan. <laughs> um, and so we have to learn as a church people to discern those thoughts. And parents, you have to learn to discern your thoughts so that you can help your kids learn to discern their thoughts. Not every thought that your child is going to have is true. It's not, not every thought is from God. And they're going to, they're going to, they're going to have some things and they're going to try and the, Satan will try and make them a part of their identity. And it's not true. And if you don't know how to evaluate yourself and evaluate your thoughts, you're not going to be able to help your kids. Let's look at some scripture that backs this up. 2 Corinthians 10.5. This is the Passion Translation. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude, right? My, that question, those questions about the recovery people, that was an arrogant attitude on my part. We can break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture, like prisoners of war, every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. When you have thoughts like that, that aren't loving, that are divisive, that are trying to exclude people, that are not, I mean, it's just, they're just ugly. You shouldn't include, exclude anybody because Jesus didn't. And, and there isn't a person on this planet that Jesus didn't die for. So when you have thoughts like that, you have to take captive, you have, you have to take captive of them and just be like, God, what is that coming from? A lot of times it's fear. A ton of times the root cause of a question like that is fear. You know, as... as leadership, we've had to clean up some interesting things in our parking lot over the years. And so when I had questions like, is it safe for me to bring my kids here? That's out of fear. Yes, it's safe. God will protect us. And there are steps that we have to take and all these things, but you don't exclude people out of fear. Um, so we need to take those thoughts captive. And we need to realize that you never arrive. There are always levels um, in your relationship with Jesus. There, The Bible says we move from glory to glory. And so you don't just become a Christian. You don't get baptized and think, oh, I, I just love everybody now, and I never have a nasty thought. And I never do anything bad. It's just, I mean, if it, that were the case, man, the world would be much better shape than it is, 
We're all human. And, and also, there's no perfect church. I, <laughs> uh, when you're in leadership, you, you see people leave all the time, and sometimes you know the reason, and sometimes you don't know the reason, and sometimes you hear the reason, and you're like, are you kidding me? Like, there is no perfect church. Church is ran by people. And so you really, I'll get to it later, but these, the reason we're doing these steps is so that you have, and we're not going to do it for like 12 weeks, but we're, we're trying to give you another tool in the tool belt. It's just like we have Sozo, and we have counseling, and we have prayer team, and this is another tool that everybody can use um, because humans are messy. Um, and I'm not just saying that you, you know, like I said, you don't just become a believer and poof, you're full of love for people. I wish it was that way. I, um, I struggle with this. I'm an introvert, and so I don't, I don't, I don't get energized by being around people. Like on Sundays, I am worn out <laughs> because I've been around people all day, um, and I have to smile and talk to people, and that's something that it doesn't come naturally for me. Like I can be alone by myself for hours and be like happy as a pig in mud. Like I don't need people. <laughs> I can just curl up and listen to music and read a book and go shopping and I can do all that stuff by myself. I don't need, I, that's not how I get recharged. Um, and so I have to make sure that I spend a lot of time with the Lord to make sure that I have enough love in my tank to give away. Because if you don't have love from the Lord you're going to give away other stuff. That's not appropriate. Um, and so, and you know, healthy boundaries are another thing. If you don't have healthy boundaries in place, people will suck the life out of you um, because you'll let them. So what I'm trying to get at here is that we all have this commission and it's the same. You and I have the exact same commission. Your giftings will look different and you might do a different piece of the commission, but we all have the same commission. We're sons and daughters. We're meant to rule and reign. Bill Johnson says, we're called to rule with the heart of a servant and serve with the heart of a king. So meaning that we don't go around, we don't Bible thump people, and we don't mandate that they do X, Y, and Z in order to be a good Christian and get to heaven. We don't tell them how many times they have to pray. We don't force them to read the Bible. Like, we're not forcing it on anybody. Like freedom was God's idea. Like go read Genesis. <laughs> here's this tree. I told you not to eat it, but it's up to you. Like, it's here. You, and then they chose to eat it, right? Like, he didn't, like, freedom was God's idea. Um, and so it's not our job to Bible thumb people, but it is our job to love and serve people. Jesus came fully God, but fully human. And when he was here, he was all about serving. He was not the kind of king who was barking out orders and demanding things and, you know, People, people did what he asked because they loved him and they wanted, but it was also because he served them in return. It also means that things might get uncomfortable. And I believe that the truth offends. There are things in the Bible that are offensive. When Jesus came, he offended people. The Pharisees were big time mad at Jesus. He was messing with their paradigms, their rules, their regulations. You know, they were just bent out of shape about him. And I believe that, you know, if, if you leave every Sunday and you feel awesome about yourself and you're like, wow, Vineyard Westside, they just preach the most positive and uplifting and encouraging messages week after week. We're doing it wrong. And you're probably like, what? Yeah, we're, we should be encouraging, and we should have grace, and we should have mercy, but at some point, we should say something from up here that kind of ruffles your feathers a little bit. And it's not to make you mad. 
but the truth is offensive. The gospel is offensive. And I think, you know, we live in a society where, you ever heard the phrase, you do you? That's dangerous. That's very dangerous. People open their Bible and they go, mm, I like this part and this part, but mm, that part, that was just for them back then. Mm, you do you, man. You, you do whatever you want over there. That's dangerous theology, dangerous. Now, unless we're, you know, if we're teaching something that's totally unbiblical and it's not in there and it's way off the wall and it's from some Greek mythology or something, then yeah, by all means, like, yeah, that's not right. But sometimes God shows you something or you get ruffled a little bit because he's trying to teach you something new. He's trying to show you something new because we go from glory to glory, right? God doesn't give you everything all at once. We couldn't handle it. Um, and so I believe that the journey is sometimes uncomfortable and that we should be ruffling your feathers a little bit sometimes. So before I tie all this together, I want to give a little bit of history on the 12 steps because for me, when I can, when I can understand why we're coming at it this way, what's the history, what's the background, um, it always helps. And this isn't in an effort to defend anything um, because I think what we're doing is beautiful, uh, but I think it's rather to help all of us understand how this fits into the larger kingdom picture. So I want to give you some history about um, AA, which is usually what the 12 steps are associated with. It actually was started by this group of people called the Oxford Group, which was actually an evangelistic movement. It started with Christians. It started with church people um, in the early 1900s. There's a Lutheran minister, Dr. Frank Buchman. Buchman? Buchman? I think it's Buchman. Um, but he, had, he visited this church, and he had this amazing transformation, and he actually envisioned the suffering face of Christ and realized how his own resentments and his own issues were separating him from God's unconditional love. That's where the basis of 12, this, this radical encounter, that's where this all comes from. And then so he goes on to help other people, and these, they had these house meetings, and they, the people that were in the houses were encouraged to go out and find other people that were struggling too. Kind of like Christians are supposed to do. You get yourself whole and clean, and then you go out and you find more people, and you bring them into the family. So that was the Oxford group. Then there was this guy called Bill, Bill Wilson, um, and he kind of went through the Oxford group program, and then him and another guy kind of started what is now, now known as AA. Um, and I want to read you his kind of testimony, his coming to Jesus moment. This is what he said. <clears throat> My depression deepened unbearably, and finally it seemed to me as though I were at the very bottom of the pit. I still gagged badly at the notion of a power, capital P, greater than myself. But finally, just for the moment, the, vest, the last vestige of my proud obstinacy, I love that word, it means stubbornness, was crushed. All at once, I found myself crying out, if there is a God, let him show himself. I am ready to do anything, anything. Suddenly, the room lit up with a great white light. I was caught up into an ecstasy which there are no words to describe. It seemed to me in the mind's eye that I was on a mountain and that a wind, not of air, but of spirit was blowing. And then it burst upon me that I was a free man. Slowly the ecstasy subsided. I lay on the bed, but now for a time I was in another world, a new world of consciousness. All about me and through me there was a wonderful feeling of presence, capital P. And I thought to myself, so this is the God of the preachers. A great peace stole over me, and I thought, no matter how wrong things seem to be, they are all still all right. Things are all right with God and his world. 
I personally have never read a better description of what God's peace feels like. And I've experienced God's peace multiple times, and it's not always the same heaviness or deepness or level, but this was just beautifully written to me. And this was a man who didn't even believe in God, and in an instant, he cries out, and God shows up and delivers him. This is the guy that founded kind of the 12 steps. And so it's not this far out there, oh, somebody thought of some nice things that might be a nice, good self-help thing. The Bible remains, it was and remains a foundation for recovery. And it's not just for people who are addicted to substances, it's for anybody. And we're going to get into that in a little bit. So what do these 12 steps have to do with those of us who, who don't have a substance thing? So... I'm going to boil these kind of down to, to five things. There are 12, but I'm going to kind of boil them down to five. And this is kind of what the Oxford group started with before it kind of morphed into the 12. So the first one was self-inventory. So take a look at yourself. Number two was admitting wrongs. Three was making amends, which a lot of people mentioned last week. Four, using prayer and meditation, right? And five, carrying the message to others. So get your house in order yourself and then carry the message out to others. These principles are not exclusive to somebody who has just a substance thing. We all have things that we could, that we could apply to this. I should be looking at myself all the time, admitting my wrongs to people, going back and making amends, making sure I didn't you know, really hurt some feelings, praying, asking God about it. These are all things that we can use. Um, And so I want to pull out some scriptures to kind of tie all that in and and, and show you how it's for everybody. Number one, manage you. Manage yourself. Manage your own problems. Check yourself. Be humble. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. It says confess your sins. It doesn't say if you have a drug or alcohol problem. Anybody who has sin. Romans 12, 17. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. In other words, if you're managing yourself and you're realizing the things that are wrong with you and working on them with the Lord, you won't be causing problems for other people because Holy Spirit will be saying, "Mm, don't say that to somebody, don't speak to them that way. And if you do, go fix it. James 4.10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge and the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? I'll put that one in there for myself. Number two, own your issues and have healthy confrontation. This one is so big. We've been preaching this one for years, and one of these days, we're just going to be experts at it. I just know it. Uh, Matthew 18, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you, not to your friend down the street, not to your leader, like to that person directly, not through text message or email, but face-to-face. If you can't do face-to-face, call them so they can hear the tone in your voice. If they listen to you, you you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along. So if you've tried to have a conversation, then go get your leader and have a a three-way conversation so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. 
That's not just for people in recovery. That's just for all human beings ever and ever. <laughs> we, I, um, I direct our homeschool community, and that is in our guide, Matthew 18. If you have a problem with somebody, if somebody hacks you off on community day, please go have a conversation with them face-to-face. -face. That is not just a recovery thing. Okay, carrying out his will. This is where it all comes together. Colossians 3.16, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. We got to get the word in us. We have to have the truth in us. Have to. Because when you do, and you do something wrong, or you say something horrible, or you have a, a horrible thought, you go, uh-uh, that doesn't line up with the word of God. And you're able to take that thought captive and dump it. Here's that great commission scripture that I was talking about. This is what we're all called to do. Every single one of you in this room. Matthew 28, verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That word commission means that you've been ordered or authorized, either a person or an organization, to do or produce something. Church is not just for you to feel all warm and fuzzy on Sunday. It's great if it does. Um, and we do want you to be encouraged because God is an encourager. Um, but we are called to do something. Now, don't go all Martha on me and just do all the, all the things. Um, you have to have that relationship. But we are called to actually do, and there should be fruit from how we love. It doesn't mean that every one of you is going to be in the recovery program. It doesn't mean that all of you are going to be on the prayer team. It doesn't mean that all of you are going to be on the worship team. It doesn't mean any of that. We each have a gifting and a role to play, but the mission is still the same. Love people, bring them into the family. Let's get whole. And I know some of you might think, I still don't get it. These 12 steps don't apply to me. I don't have any problems. Yeah, you do. You're wrong. You do. <laughs> Some of you might say, I don't know anybody in recovery, and all my friends are healthy too. Someday, unless you're going to live in a cave for the remainder of your life, you're going to come across somebody who has a problem. You're going to come across somebody who needs Jesus, and this is just another tool in the tool belt for you to have and for you to recognize, oh, this person might need help. I know of somebody who could help them. Or, oh, I'm recognizing that they need help. I'm not going to Bible thump them, but I'm just going to ask them more, and I'm going to build some trust so that they feel comfortable when they're ready to come talk to me. These are tools for everybody. I grew up in a very healthy home. I was loved by both my parents. I had no major trauma. I didn't drink alcohol until I was supposed to. I, like, I just, I had a very healthy upbringing, and I'm very thankful for that, but I am not the norm. Almost all of my friends have had some kind of traumatic experience or there was abuse. Um, it's just, it's amazing to me how many people have had trauma in their life. It's not God's design, but we live in a fallen world, and these things happen. And so I, I, think, I think it's a little bit, how do I put it nicely, uh, untrue. Um, to say that these things don't apply to you because the norm is is that people have had some kind of trauma 
and they're probably just too fearful to talk about it. They're ashamed. Um, they've tried to reach out before, and somebody maybe shamed them, even the church. Um, and we want to be a church where everyone is welcome and everybody is okay to deal with their stuff. We don't want you to stay the same. We want everybody to grow. Um, but we don't want to be a church where we just put those people over in a nice little box on a different day of the week and we never, you know, ask them how they're doing or we just pretend that, you know, that's, that's our recovery leader's problem. We're a family and families grow and heal together. Um, and so if you're sitting there and thinking, oh, this doesn't apply to me, it's, I still don't get it, ask Jesus. Ask Jesus who it applies to or ask him, be bold and ask him to bring you somebody and, and walk this out with them. And, you know, I'll just reiterate, I, I know someone, I know several people who have had different kinds of abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, and they've gone to counseling and then the counselor says, I think you need to go through the 12 steps. So I'm just going to say it one more time. This is not just about substance abuse. It's about any kind of trauma. And, and if, there was, if there was one way to healing, we would all be healed. And the world would be a beautiful place and everybody would get along. Um, and sometimes healing's not linear. Sometimes you're going along and you're doing the steps and you've done counseling and you're going great and then something triggers you. And you're like, I thought I dealt with this. And sometimes God heals in layers. It's like an onion because he knows what you can handle, um, and he doesn't get to the very, very big, deep root that's way down here until you've tackled these other things. And so sometimes you do get prayer, and you get healed in an instant. Sometimes you get prayer, and six months later, you're like, oh, I'm back in the same place. Like, I, I feel a mess again. Well, God's trying to heal something else. You've got another layer that God wants to work on. Sometimes you have to go to counseling for a long time. Sometimes you need a recovery group. Sometimes you need a sozo. There's no one right path to healing. And the church needs to get that. And the church needs to not be a place where people think they have to have it all together. Now, I do believe that the church should be healthy because we have God and God has all the answers. And so if we're a people that's in personal relationship with him and we're asking him, how do we help these people? And God, how do I help this specific person? Because what worked for Susie over here might not work for Bob here because Bob's got different issues. Bob's got different past. Bob's got different root causes. So we have to, it's a personal thing and we have to ask Jesus to help us. The minute you think you know how to help somebody and you have it all figured out and you've got this formula and it's going to get them healed and whole, you're wrong. You've left God out of it. It's not right. Okay, sorry, I got a little preachy there for a minute. <clears throat> I need to take a breath. I got myself all riled up. We just live in a, a, a crazy, broken world, and people are going to turn to, to Band-Aids and to things to comfort themselves, right? Ever heard of comfort food? Because it tastes good when you're eating it. It reminds you of like your grandma on a Saturday night when you were a kid. Like, so there's comfort food. There's sugar. There's, you know, alcohol and drugs. And there's shopping. Like shopping, actually, they've done studies, like releases endorphins in your brain. It makes you feel good. Doesn't mean it's what you need in the moment. You have to check yourself. You have to take inventory. This is one of those things. It's just a tool in the tool belt for you. But the point is, is that Jesus came to make people whole, and he commissioned us to do the same. Uh, lastly, the reason we have people get up and tell their amazing stories, their testimonies, if you will, 
That word testimony in the Hebrew root, the Hebrew root for the word testimony that we translate to testimony, means repeat, return, or do it again. And so in the book of Revelation, it even tells us that the, the, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And so we get up and we have people tell about their story and how Jesus healed them and is walking with them and is helping them because we're declaring into the atmosphere that it can happen for somebody else. We're declaring God's goodness. We're declaring that he did it. We're declaring that not today, Satan. This is the plan. We're going with this. We're declaring that there will be healing today, just like there was back then, that this wasn't just something they did in the Bible time. But we are, it, and it also builds your faith. When we tell stories, somebody might be sitting there saying, oh, he did that for them. Maybe he'll do it for me. So it's building faith and hope in the atmosphere. And there's power of life and death in the tongue. That's not just some nice little scripture in the Psalms. There's power in what we say. And so we declare these things and we declare that they're going to happen. And Jesus says, I want to do it again. It's the spirit of prophecy. So that's why we have people tell their stories. It's not just, you know, to make the recovery people feel good about themselves. It's for everybody. Because there's always going to be somebody, there's going to be somebody new off the street who needs to hear that story and that Jesus wants to heal them too. Someone posted a great quote this week. I think it was Rose um, on Facebook. And she said, loving people is the highest form of spiritual warfare, warfare that any of us can ever do. And I was like, what a simple phrase, but what a profound thought. Just loving somebody is spiritual warfare. Why? Because Satan wants you divided. He doesn't want you loving people. He wants you going down their list and like, oh yeah, they do that, they do that, and I'm better than that. I, that's, that's his aim. If he can just get you to, then he's won. Loving people is the highest form of spiritual warfare. It's okay to ask questions. Always, always, always ask questions. Ask Jesus. Don't, don't get stuck in your own feelings and emotions because they lie. Don't get stuck in your own mind. Ask somebody who's walked the road longer than you. But wrestle. Wrestle with things. Own your own faith. Um, and wrestle with things that we teach from up here. Make sure they're biblical. Uh, I think that most things that we say are, um, but we're human too, and we're learning too. There have been plenty of times I've emailed Ryan and or had a conversation with him like, what did you mean by that? Now, I'm not saying email Ryan every week, please don't. Um, but, you know, wrestle with it. Ask God in your quiet time. Ask your trusted friend, and then if you still have questions, then, you know, we can talk about it. But we have to get this love thing right. We have to get it right. And so those 12 steps aren't meant to exclude anybody. They're actually for everybody because we all have things that we need to examine and surrender to God and make sure that we're in line with his word. We've all been commissioned to be world changers. Not just some of us, but all of us. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. And we thank you that you sustain us. And God, I just pray that we as a church body would get this, that we would know how to love people well. And God, not to enable people in their struggles, but to love them through them and to work with you, to be co-heirs and co-rulers and co-missioned with you, that we would walk in your authority that you have given us and to teach other people how to walk in their authority so that they can be whole and free like you have designed us to be. 
So, Father, I pray over this room of people. I pray for the people that are listening online, for the people that are going to listen to this message later. God, that, that you would just pour out your love, that your love would cover sin, that you no longer see our sin. You see us as whole, and you see us as saints, and you see our potential. God, and I pray that those things that would hold us back from that would fall off, that those chains and those lies and those words and those, all that just junk... We do pray that supernaturally that would fall off so that people can get to their healing quicker. Because God, you can do it in a second. And I've seen you do it and others have seen you do it and we're so thankful when you do. So God, I just pray that we would be a people that are just radical lovers. (laughs) Make us more like you. Give us your heart for people, God. And Father, I just pray that you would turn up the volume on your voice for people so that when we are struggling or we are having nasty thoughts or uh, we're just stuck in a funk, that you would just, over this body specifically, that you would just turn, I just see this like volume knob like on an amp, that you would just turn that up and so your voice would just come running through and just break that stuff so that we don't get stuck for an entire day in a bad mood or we don't get stuck yelling at people or just, uh, just, just like you could just break that stuff in an instant and we could just realize like, oh wait, this isn't from God and I've got all these tools in my tool belt so I'm going to go do one of these and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my mind in the right place and I'm going to change my attitude and I'm just going to have a better day and I'm going to go and I'm going to serve other people. We thank you, God, that you have that ability. We thank you for the turning up of the volume knob. So Jesus... Just be with us. Just cover these people. We love you. Amen. If anybody needs prayer, there'll be some people over here. Otherwise, have a great week. We'll see you next week. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.